This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right. All right. Welcome in. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number, host free Monday night, Manic Monday, Monday after Palmetto Bowl 2023. Clemson State Champions. Clemson owns Williams Bryce Stadium. Wow. The, the home record for uh, the Gamecocks against the Tigers, I guess you would say the road record for the Tigers against the Gamecocks, astonishing, just astonishing. Of course, they've won eight out of nine, five in a row at Williams-Brice. To be honest with you, think about this. Neither home crowd has had the chance to celebrate a win on their turf since Clemson in 2018 because 2019 was Columbia, 2020 was the Greg Sankey Hex on the game. 2021 was back in Columbia. 2022 was a win by the Gamecocks up at Clemson. And then 2023 was in Columbia. So a little bit of a drought for the home teams to celebrate. Um, as Chris Berge, uh, Chris Berge from the Berge Palace, Chris Bergen from the Berge Palace, I'll get it right. He joins us <laughs> from the Bergy Palace. Chris Bergen from the Bergy Palace. Pat Daniel here at our studios. We're going to get to your phone calls here, really, I promise you, in about two or three minutes because there's not a whole lot to analyze from this one. It was, um, it was a game where there weren't a lot of spectacular plays. Clemson's defense was, uh, was fantastic. They overpowered the Gamecocks. Um, the Clemson running game was strong like we thought it would be. Uh, the Gamecock defense was, uh, you got to give them credit. In November, uh, they played a heck of a lot better. They put up a good fight. They kept the Tigers up. Well, look, Clemson would have scored another touchdown had they wanted to. So the game really could have been 23-7 to instead of 16-7 uh, to if Dabo Sweeney didn't have a heart. Yes, Dabo Sweeney has a heart. That's just the respect he has for Shane Beamer. Um Ordinarily, you stuff that thing in the end zone and you go dancing, right? But he I think didn't. Had Will do that. Muschamp been on that sideline, it would have. Yeah. So I, I, I think that I think you hit on something. I think the respect between uh, Shane Beamer and Dabo Sweeney a lot greater than what Dabo and and Will in terms of their relationship had when Muschamp was coach at Carolina. Had that been the case, I, I think they probably would have tried to score right there at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, listen, Clemson um, overall better uh, performance. Uh, a deeper team in a lot of areas. Yes, they were lacking at wide receiver, but as their season went on, they got better. Uh, their defense was good uh, pretty much all year. They overcame their fumbles and their stumbles and their turnovers. They asked their quarterback not to lose the game, and he did just that. He didn't lose mm-hmm. the game. He uh, he look. He threw for a hundred yards. Who would have ever thought in this era 
of football, and in particular with Clemson football, the reputation they had built under Chad Morris uh, and under Tony Elliott and under Jeff Scott uh, with their quarterbacks of, of throwing it all over the place that three times this year they won games where they threw for 131 yards or less. That means they relied on the running game and their defense. And I think as that game wore on and you saw the way Dabo Sweeney was coaching, he put that game on the back of his defense because I think he really felt South Carolina was not going to be able to do anything unless the Gamecocks just hit a home run ball and and got a breakdown somewhere. They weren't going to be able to drive it. And uh, Clemson's secondary was playing exceptionally well. Uh, so Clemson, they got the trophy. Trophy goes back to the upstate, and they finish off with the November to remember. They get the four November wins. They're 8-4. and four. Talking with David Hood today, uh, Chris, he, he was talking with some of his bowl sources. I mean, I think there's three bowl possibilities. He kind of felt like the Holiday Bowl in San Diego might be the best possibility for Clemson right now. There's also the hmm. Gator Bowl and uh, – whatever the Outback Bowl is called now, whatever it is down there. Um, of course, a lot depends on the matchups that uh, bowls want to put together. You hear about a uh, Notre Dame-LSU matchup, of course. People want to perhaps <laughs> see you know Brian Kelly face his old team. I don't know that all that is all that dramatic anymore, but that might be part of it. I mean, I would think a Clemson, uh, a Clemson-LSU matchup would be a wild matchup. Uh, put that Clemson defense up against um, the yep. Heisman. Well, he's not the front runner right now, according to the latest odds from uh, Bet Online. The uh, the front runner is Bo Nix out at uh, at Oregon. He is the clear front runner by uh, Las Vegas to win the Heisman. But still, that'd be an in- interesting matchup to see Clemson go up against uh, Daniels in that LSU offense. But uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday when it when that comes out. Uh, you, of course, were busy with Coastal Carolina. They had their their own issues with James Madison, Ooh. but I'm sure you caught up on the Gamecocks and the Tigers. Oh, what did yeah. you think? I saw Phil on Saturday, and it was a little bit refreshing to actually see two teams be able to be as dominant as they were on defense, as you pointed out, in this era where you almost feel like you have to score 45 or 50 points and won the game with their defense. James Madison came in as one of the best defenses in the country. None of their statistics show up on the NCAA website because they're ineligible for this year, making the final year of their transition. But if their stats were... Uh, eligible to be counted. James Madison would lead the country in fewest rushing yards allowed, sacks, and tackles for loss. I mean, they are as good a defense as you'll see. And then I turn around after watching that for three hours, get back home, and from the second quarter on to the fourth quarter, Clemson's defense was lights out as well. I, I think if James Madison and Clemson got stuck together in a bowl game, no one would score. They would be there forever. They play a zero-zero tie. I mean, that's how good both those defenses were. But I was awfully impressed with uh, Clemson. They did exactly what we said they had to do to win the game. Phil, it was run the football, get over 150 yards, which they did. South Carolina was not going to be able to run the football, so they had to put pressure on Spencer Rattler. They only sacked him what twice, but they got to him a good bit and and threw him off his marks. And then, of course, the two turnovers in the first three plays of the game are are mistakes that Carolina could ill afford to make. And as it turned out, a hat tip to the Gamecocks defense and Clayton White because they have been much criticized and deservedly so. But you you face Clemson and and take out that last series. I agree with you. Had it been necessary, they probably score. But to hold Clemson without an offensive touchdown, I I thought was remarkable. And had you told me that was going to happen before kickoff on Saturday, I would have asked you how much did the Gamecocks win by? Yeah. Because I, I would not have thought 
thought that they would have lost that game. But my question is for Shane Beamer and and his coaching staff, where was the creativity? Where was the special team stuff? You you have an opportunity uh, with about ten minutes left to go, fourth down up near midfield, and you punt. You're down two scores. I mean, they almost coached timidly. It mm. seemed like to me they didn't they didn't stretch the field. They didn't try to. And Clemson had a lot to do with that, but didn't do any of the things that they were able to do last year against the Tigers, last year against Tennessee, um, and some of the things that we saw from them. And special teams has been a an area of, I think of average play at best at USC this year. And and I was just surprised they didn't try a few more things, knowing that you were outmanned personnel-wise. You've got to make a few extra plays, and you'd already given Clemson a touchdown on your offense. You've got to find a way to, to get the crowd to stay in the game. And, and from what I could tell on television and listening to some on radio, that crowd was in that ball game. The Gamecocks just gave them nothing to cheer about, for the most part, offensively in particular. Yeah, it was great atmosphere. It was great atmosphere. Uh, place was packed early the way it should be for every game. But it was packed early, and you know they stayed into the second half. They should have because it was uh, still a close ball game. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Gamecocks lose sixteen to seven, and I know somebody will say, "Well, yeah, they didn't take a knee, so Clemson didn't get that seven, But the Gamecocks gifted Clemson seven points on the second play of the game, and and that's true. I mean, that's I can't argue the fact that the Gamecocks handed over a touchdown on a uh, a really close call. I mean, a call that could have gone either way. It was that close. But did they get it right? I'm sure they reviewed it, right? They did review it. Yeah, they did review it. And, I mean, the original call stood. The officials let the play play out, and they reviewed mm-hmm. it. And the ACC crew decided that it was the correct call, and they and they let it stand. But, I mean, it was a mistake that you can't make. You got your best player, Xavier Leggett, not able to handle that throw. And you've got to be certain if you're going to throw back you got to be certain that he's going to catch it. And you got to make that catch because, obviously, if you don't, then it becomes a problem. And um, it, 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 gave, uh, it gave Clemson seven points right off the bat, and then the Gamecocks turned it over on the very next play. But, as you mentioned, uh, the Gamecock defense, uh, to their credit, they hung in there and, and kept Clemson off the board offensively, forced the, the field goals. And how about White's, man? Who would have thought he was going to yeah. come through with – Good for him, too. field goals, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, you're right. The, the offense, I was wondering, I, I've double-checked here, um, and I was wondering why you didn't see Lenora Sellers in the game. And my fo- first thought was, well, maybe he's already played in four games. They didn't want to burn his red shirt, but that's not true. He's only played in three games this year. So he still had a game to play without the red shirt coming into consideration. With the pressure that was being brought on Rattler, I, I thought maybe they might would have gone with Sellers in mm-hmm. there just to change things up, just to put a mobile guy in there, just to see if maybe he could get on the edge and take off and run and, and, and make a big play. Or maybe just take a shot with his arm uh, because he is a he does have a strong arm and he can run. But never saw the field. Never saw the field for him. You're right. I don't think we saw the creativity – in the play calling, in the game planning that you saw against Kentucky. No. And and I was really surprised, too, at his decisions. And Coach Beamer explained it. He felt like uh, down two scores, you know, 10 minutes left to go. He still was hoping his team could flip the field and then the defense could get a stop. But, I mean, you can't rely on that, especially as well as Clemson was running the football. They were going to be able to burn some clock. And I was just surprised at some of his decision-making, especially not going forward on fourth down, you know, in the fourth quarter. you got to play to win. And it just felt like they were just trying to hang in there and stay close. 
I'm, I, maybe I'm misreading the situation, but you you watch the entire ball game. I got to listen to a good bit of the first half and watch the whole second half, and I just I just got the feeling that they coached a little more timid than I've seen them in in a game like this in the past. Okay, so let's take your phone calls on that, and also if you're not aware, I'm sure you are. The uh, Frank Reich era over with the uh, Carolina Panthers is done after <laughs> eleven games. Holy cow! What a mess! What an absolute mess from ownership on down. Just Sell everything that goes on. Sell the team. Yeah, everything that goes. You want to buy? He's it? not alone. Pat, you buy the team? F- <laughs> I say Pat, Pat could not do any worse. Pat, get some of your friends together. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll put it on the record. I'm. I've said this since he bought it. I'm still convinced he wants to run this team into the ground, and then the moment he can actually get around the red tape and take the team elsewhere he wants to get that team out of dodge i don't Mm. think he cares about anybody around i don't think he cares about fans i don't think he cares about the players it's just such horrid management i could rant about this for the entire show but it's just everything from the top down the phrase you like to say a lot phil what Mm -hmm. is it the the fish rots from the head fish down. Fish rots from the head. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, golly. it does. 2015, that season feels like a lifetime ago now for Panthers fans. Fish rots from the head. Greg Olson here apparently is saying that he would be interested uh, if he were approached. Huh. They could do could worse. do what? To be the head coach. To do what? He wants to be the head coach. I guess it's easy <laughs> to be a head coach. In the NFL Evidently, if a radio guys. guy thinks he can now, yeah. or a TV guy, but uh, he's not alone. Reich wasn't the only one they let go. Josh McCown, the quarterback coach, got fired, as did running back coach and former Gamecock standout Deuce Staley. Mm-hmm. They also lost their jobs today. Steve Wilkes, that man deserves a big, big apology. You had a man mm-hmm. in the building that was able to finish last season strong with the talent they had or lack of talent they had up there in Charlotte. He built a culture in that program, a culture in that locker room. Players were buying into what he was selling, and he got kicked to the curb. And it's just, quite frankly, they might be deserved of what uh, the franchise is getting right now because of the decisions they've made, and that was one of the worst ones, was to let him go. Here's another one of my favorite sayings. It's, It's somewhat biblical. You reap what you sow. I don't know where that came from, but I think it's biblical. Okay. It is. Uh, To the uh, phone calls, (laughs) we go. Pat, if you would uh, populate the sheet with the callers again, please, because I signed on after you, so thus I don't have the list. Uh, Or you can take us to the call, whatever you desire, or you can write them down. What do you want to do? Well, here, first, as I at least get this this one going, first we're going to be going, I believe it's a new caller. Oh, okay. Long-time listener, first-time caller, perhaps, over in Georgetown, Smitty's Neck of the Woods, and Chris's uh, vacation getaway, Ben in Georgetown. Oh, no, 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 no. Ben's not new to sports talk. I've I've heard that name and voice before. Ben, welcome in. How are you? Yes, I called last year, a year ago, after we lost at home to Carolina. Yes. It's good to hear <laughs> from I you. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Can I get right to Gamecock, Larry? Yeah, I'm sure he. if he's not online, he's listening. He's online. So, yes, go right ahead. You can get right to and it. And I'll, I'll save him some time so he can compliment Clemson for, for the job well done. Um, I just want to say, Gamecock, Larry, you keep telling Dabo to come on down, come <laughs> on down. Well, the last four times he's come down there, y'all scored two touchdowns. Two touchdowns and four trips. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. And uh, – He's all, you know, he also says that, uh, you know, that Rattler's just going to sting that defense, that we're not an SEC defense. Well, I, y'all were in the SEC, and we, we, we just, what I just told you, two touchdowns, four fifth. I don't think there's a better defense in the SEC, probably, maybe Georgia, probably Georgia. 
But outside of that, I think we, I think he's just got a lot to answer for, and I, I want to hear him. And before I let y'all guys go and have a great evening, I know what he's going to say. 2024, 12-0, they'll beat the Eagles for the NFC, and then they'll go on to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to hear from the man himself coming up. Thank you, Ben. We appreciate that. Thanks, but guys. That 2024 schedule the Gamecocks have, let me just go ahead and tell you, it ain't anything to sneeze at. You no. got road games with Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, and Kentucky. And I'm just getting started. You know, got the rest of the SEC to deal with. You don't have Georgia. That's where you get a little bit of a break. But it's going to be tough next year, too, boy. They better, they better, uh, well, as who was it who said it on the show? You mentioned it to me today when we were talking. Uh, Zach Willis. Zach, Zach. They need to go buy an offensive better, line. That's go. exactly what he said. Well, how much are they willing to spend, man? How much How much is it going to cost them? Are they Are they doing it the right way? Are they finding the right people? Can you win? Like, they're, in, they're, they're after some transfer offensive linemen right now. Uh, one, a couple from the Ivy League. Well, there's an offensive lineman from the Ivy League, a defensive lineman from the Ivy League, and an offensive lineman from the Patriot League. And these are no. good players at that level. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you can you win by putting those players at this level? That's what I, I wonder don't think about. So. I know you I, can. I know you can strike gold. I mean, let's face Mario it. Mario Anderson is, is a good good uh, you know analogy there for a kid that probably was under recruited. Well, I would and, say Juice Wills. I would say Juice yeah, Wills, the guy mm-hmm. that came from the lower level. I mean, look, Rattler was highly recruited. He's a transfer. He he was big time. Trey Knox was big time transfer. Um, they've got transfers from other P5 programs, but they're relying in some areas on transfers from D2 and FCS or low-level uh, Division One. I. I mean, there's a reason you, you, you're you playing at that level. Now, I'm not saying yeah. you can't improve. Um, I, you, you can certainly take your game up a couple of notches. Uh, Anderson has proven that. Look at the running back at Missouri. He was a D2 running back. He's, he's proven he can play at this level. But I don't know if you can do it in mass by taking a whole bunch from those lower levels and expect to turn you around, even if they do have accolades from those leagues. All right, let's go to Brandon in Florence. Next up on Sports Talk, uh, host free. I'm sorry, Chris has already violated the rules. He forced me to violate. <laughs> Brandon, go right ahead. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Um yeah, I was, uh, you were saying something about uh, you didn't know why they didn't play Sellers. Um, from what I hear, he had a shoulder injury. So, okay, I don't know. Definitely could have been a probably a game changer um, with that slow pace momentum. But yeah. uh, I don't know what might have been right. Well, um, I think he could have – I mean, I wasn't – I'm trying to go back here and see. Was anything talked about him having a shoulder injury prior to – I don't recall him being on the on the injury list, but you might be right. I'm not saying you're not. Um, I think that – I mean, I think if he were able to play, they should have put him in there and, and see what he might, might have been able to do. Um, yeah. But if he wasn't available, then so be it. Um, yeah, I'd wonder myself – Pretty much everybody in Florence is kind of wondering, but uh, I don't know. It, I do know that uh, what was it? It's the first time we kept them from scoring a touchdown uh, in a game uh, in nine years. Uh, South Carolina keeping Clemson from scoring an offensive touchdown. Let's see. This is the first time. 
I didn't look that up. This is the first time Clemson has won a game without an offensive touchdown since 2014. Um, when was the last time they did not score a touchdown, an offensive touchdown against the Gamecocks? Let's look that up. Pat's going to look that up. Thank yeah, you, sir. Yeah, right, have a good one. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, I don't recall anything about Sellers having a shoulder injury. Did you, Chris? Anything? Remember anything? I, about I didn't that? hear anything during the week. Yeah. Um, so I, I and obviously I didn't get a chance to uh, see the dress list before the game on Saturday. But yeah, I'm like you. Had, had he been available, and even if you were bumping up against his red shirt, even if it would have been his fourth game, if he played against Clemson, there was no guarantee you were going to play in a bowl game. You had to win that game on on Saturday. So if yeah. it, it should have been everybody available should have been able to play. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the call. Let's see if we can find. When did he say? Did he give a year that last time Clemson did not score a touchdown against the Gamecocks? Let's see. I'm just looking back here. Um, he said nine years. He may have been actually because I heard the stat. I think television mentioned the stat mm-hmm. that you brought up the last time that Clemson won a game without an offensive touchdown was I think twenty to four, uh, 2014. 2014, Yeah, they beat Louisville that year. They had a I think they had a a pick six and some field goals. I think in that game, the last time they didn't score a touchdown against the Gamecocks, they scored thirteen points in twenty eleven. Probably scored a touchdown in there. Um, 2010, they only scored seven points. Was that off of uh, special teams or uh, interception, maybe? They lost 29-7 to in 2010. Um, I'm just trying to see. There's nothing. They scored seven points. It has been points. a long time, either way. 94, they scored <laughs> seven points. Um, um, I don't see a, where they've been shut out. They scored three points in 1968, so we know they didn't score a touchdown that day. Seven to three. That was in a um, – that was in a driving uh, rainstorm, if I remember correctly. Make that 19 – yeah, 1968. By the way, 64 and 68 had the same score, 7-3 to three, at Clemson. And Gamecocks won both of them, 7-3. to three. How about that? In 64 and 68. All right, uh, back to the phones. 888-898-2525. It's Keith and Camden. Keith, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? How y'all doing tonight? Hey, we're doing fine. Doing fine. First, I want to congratulate Clemson. Uh, They won the ball game. And then I want to vent a little bit. I thought uh, our defense played their tails off. And uh, I know you and a lot of us have been complimentary of Loggins, what he's done this year. But I'm going to tell you this, Saturday night, was a uh, uh, pathetic game plan. And you can send four people out all you want, but if you can't block, it doesn't matter. And I don't understand. I mean, Clemson is the best. Next to maybe, I would say they're as good a defense as we played all year. And uh, our package didn't do anything to help us out. And without naming kids' names, uh, 53-55, the offensive line coach, I don't know what, what he's doing. I mean, just fundamentally, it's just it's pitiful. And they need to take a look at that in the offseason. I was just disappointed for our defense because they played well enough to win. And offensively, we didn't do jack squat. Ooh. And I lay that on the staff. I was about to hit the old button there on you, Keith, but I know better. I know yeah, you got well, fire. I know you got fire and brimstone in you on a Sunday morning. Well, let me tell you what my hat says, Pastor. Warning: 
anything you say or do could be used in a sermon. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. But but really, I mean, come on. Look, y'all saw it. I went back and watched it, and I'm like, yeah, we got four people running routes, and and we can't block nobody. It it was just – it was frustrating, and I feel for the defense. Hats off to the defense. Offense, look, if there was a lower grade than F, I'd give it to them. Mm. So, uh, y'all have a good one. And uh, as far as uh, our good buddy, uh, Gamecock Larry – you know, tell the guy to go light on him. <laughs> you know. Well, we'll see how Gamecock Larry handles things when he comes up. He's in line. He's in the queue, and uh, we'll be hearing from him shortly. And, and of course, Phil, by the way, that that 2010 Carolina Clemson game, uh, DeAndre Hopkins scored a touchdown in the first couple of minutes of the contest. So that was an offensive touchdown in that game. All right, very good. We'll be back in a moment here on Sports Talk Triple Eight Eight Nine Eight Two Five Two Five. Continue with your calls. Pat had to play it, had to play it one more time. Well, listen, to the winners go the spoils, right? The victors go the spoils. Well, that too. Speaking of victors, how about Michigan beating Ohio State? How about the end of that? I told you that would happen. Alabama-Auburn game. Wow. Wow. I mean, Boy, can you imagine, as, as, as down as Gamecock fans feel today, can you imagine what it's like to be an Auburn fan in that rivalry as much as you know Carolina Clemson fans hate each other one Saturday in November? Uh, that Auburn-Alabama game goes to the next level. And to lose it like that when you had the game won and you would have kept Alabama out of the playoffs and the whole nine yards, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it would have been <laughs> – to lose it, that's one that's going to sting for a very long time on the Plains. Well, I'll tell you what. You've got to tell your DBs. Of course, nobody gets behind you. Nobody gets away from you. But if somebody does get behind you or if somebody does get away from you and the ball is heading towards them, tackle them. Tackle them. Yeah, tackle exactly. them. I mean, really, it's not that hard. You'll get a flag. You'll get 15 yards, but you'll live to play another down mm-hmm. instead of losing. My God. And, you know, yeah. you have to really respect Saban. I watched him, whatever they would show us on the sideline, and – he was calm after that bad snap, and they went way, way back behind the line of scrimmage and had to start from way back there. You didn't see him fussing over there, yelling at anybody. He maintained his composure, and that's why he's the great coach that he is. They find a way. That's called a culture of winning right there, boys and girls. Mm-hmm. They find a way to win. Uh, Craig you know, tells us fast... here let – me, let me say this. Craig okay. tells us here on our stream, Sellers did have an injury, according to uh, J.C. Sherbert. Of the big spur, so okay, I guess he wasn't wasn't available then. If uh, evidently not, if that is the case, so that's too bad for him and too bad for the Gamecocks. They maybe could have used him. 
Heard a really interesting argument against expansion of the college football playoff, one more so than we've made. And they were using, it was either ESPN's game day or it was the Fox pregame show on Saturday. They were using the Ohio State-Michigan game as a template. Take the divisions out of the playoff, out of the mix in the Big Ten. You could conceivably have a situation where once we go to 12 games, uh, 12 teams rather, Ohio State and Michigan just this year alone, if we were 12 teams, they could play three times from the month of November to January. And it takes all the luster off of the rivalry game. Oh, sure. Because let's assume you, you have that first game, and then they would have turned around the next week and played for the Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis. And then with 12 teams in the playoff, both of them would have probably gone and would have possibly met in the playoffs as well. You know, you're going to do to regular season football what the NCAA tournament has done to regular season college basketball and is water it down and make it not nearly as interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was an elimination game for Michigan and Ohio State on Saturday. Yeah, even the guys on television were referring to it that way, that this will be the last mm-hmm. time you might see this game in that kind of setting with the yeah. expanded playoffs. We're seeing rivalries die because of mm-hmm. realignment. I mean, the people who are running college football just don't know what they're doing to the overall health of the game. You might not see it right now. You know, the early returns with the expanded playoffs might be good, but let's see four or five years down the road where we where we sit with all this once everything. See, I call this now, as we finished up what is basically, uh, well, it is the regular season. We're going into championship week, but we're going into the twilight zone now of the college football year as we head into the transfer portal. We head into more NIL bidding. We head into trying to uh, steal players from one program to another. Uh, coaches, hey, you're not immune either. Obviously, coaches are leaving. They're, they're mm-hmm. jumping their contracts sure. uh, for more riches. So it's the twilight zone out there for college football now. It's my least favorite time of the year. I mean, I do enjoy following the recruiting stuff, the honest recruiting stuff, the above-board recruiting stuff. But uh, for the most part, it's, um, it's darkness out there as far as like, – the college sports world is concerned, and I, I can't imagine any major corporation, any multi-billion dollar corporation, allowing itself to be run the way college sports is being allowed to be run today, with people just up and leaving. I mean, I'm just looking at the news on the transfer portal, John, today. Notre Dame offensive lineman Zeke Carell, Michigan State quarterback Sam Levitt, Southern Cal receiver Relique Brown, Missouri offensive lineman E.J. Indoma Ogar. Baylor quarterback Blake Shapin. Notre Dame receiver Chris Tyree. He was one of the big big players of his class. Mm -hmm. Um, Just looking at some others here. Duke defensive tackle uh, uh, Enos Peoples. Might be butchering some names here. Kansas State quarterback Jake Rubley. Um, Kentucky corner Jalen Geiger. I remember him from recruiting. Um, Michigan State's lost uh, a handful. Um, so anyway, it, it, North Carolina defensive lineman Kedrick Bingley Jones. Um, so the list is long and growing. We're going to talk about some of these uh, uh, transfer folks that the South Carolina and Clemson have some eyes on right now when we get to recruiting. Uh, let's get back to the phone calls, 888-898-2525. Bobby? In Charlotte, you are with us next right here on Sports Talk. Welcome in. Hey, Phil. Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Okay. Um, Yeah, you know what? 
I, when I was on hold, I actually heard uh, an advertisement for some generic Viagra on the station, and I was just wondering, uh, do you think maybe we could ship some to, to Shane's office? Because I tell you what, all this crying he does after games now, I'm starting to think he might have some low T issues. Hmm. Um, and I know you were there for the latest uh, waterworks. By the way, display. I had a friend I mean, of mine that took some of that stuff. It doesn't work. But anyway, that's uh, below the belt. Pun intended. Oh, <laughs> nice, Pat. Yeah. I was there. You know, he look, I am not going to sit and judge somebody about how they handle their emotions. He's an emotional guy. Should he express those emotions? He's uh, he, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. I don't think he would be Shane Beamer if he didn't. I mean, coaches handle things different ways. I don't think um, certainly Muschamp, you'd never see him. Uh, tear up. Um, Spurrier never really had a situation where he had to tear up. Um, Beamer is just, you can't say he's a young guy. I mean, he's 45 years old. You know, it's not like he's 32, 33 or in his 20s. He's 45 years old. This is just, this is his nature. And, um, you know, he was, he was emotional about losing those guys who were there when he got there and he had been with him the whole time and helped him, um, you know, get to where they are, which, you know, this season was not a good one, but previous two were, and they'll try and bounce back next year. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, and, and it's just, man, obviously that stuff plays a lot better when you're actually winning. Um, as a fan, it's just, I mean, I've heard enough of the crying, you know. I mean, I, it bugged me in his first year when we beat East Carolina on a last-second field goal, and he literally cried with the reporter. It's like, dude. This is East Carolina we're in a dogfight with. But I digress. Mm -hmm. Going to this game, you know, we talked about it. Clemson's pass defense was so much better this year than last year's. And then their front seven just totally overwhelmed us and dominated. I have a lot of respect for Spencer Rattler. You know, I'm 45. My dad's 72, and he told me, son, I haven't seen one of our quarterbacks take a beating like that since Dickie DeMacy in 1989. Oh, uh, wow. I mean, oh, wow. You, know, oh, you dug one up I, from I, the past right there. <laughs> I mean, the, the the fact that he – I was amazed he kept getting up. Mm -hmm. There were a couple times where he just kind of lingered on the ground for a second, and I found it amazing he just kept getting up. I think he's improved his image on and off the field in his time here. It sucks that we basically – wasted his potential because i don't know everybody seems they want to crown you know, you want to go ahead and crown him crown lenora sellers but i mean i find it hard to believe whatever his potential is it's going to be better than what than uh spencer rattler uh this last year and a half but anyway we'll find out tommy and todd did say that he had a shoulder injury during the broadcast oh, okay um okay. so they, they did say that but okay. listen i mean here's one thing too i hope Let's just put this away. Let's bookmark it for 2025. Like I said, I'm 45 years old. I'm a Carolina grad. My dad's a Carolina grad. You know how many times I've seen us win at williams Bryce against Clemson? Five freaking times mm -hmm. in 45 years. Yeah. So yeah. next next time we play them in 2025 and all our fans call up the stations and say, well, they don't know what Willie B's like at night. That's an electric atmosphere, and their players have never seen anything like that. Apparently, they have. 
Okay, <laughs> so let's just lay that talking point to rest. Yeah. I know Gamecock Larry, bless his heart, he'll have it fired up because he'll be here in 2035 talking about it. I have no doubt. Yeah. And uh, but I mean, I think for whatever bizarre reason. We can just lay that to rest. Clemson obviously doesn't care one bit about playing us if it's under the lights, if it's in broad daylight, whatever. But obviously, I mean, just I'm super disappointed, and I can already see this coming from a mile away. We're going to take the last two weeks, because three weeks ago was Vanderbilt, and I can throw out a Skiza team, and they'll stop Vanderbilt on, on offense. But we're going to take the last two weeks, and suddenly it's going to be that Clayton White is fielding the steel curtain defense, the impenetrable dome. And it's not going to be that Clemson's offense was terrible all year. Their quarterback is – Klubnik's terrible. And that they didn't have any healthy wide receivers except for that freshman kid. Our fans are going to do like they always do and take one little morsel of just, you know, one good performance and turn it into another year of disappointment – I say we cut bait with Clayton White. The, the stats are what they are. Go look up the stats on this defense the last three years. Yeah, they played a great game Saturday night. That's against a terrible Clemson offense, probably the worst we've gone up against, what, since the last, I think y'all mentioned 2010. I'd say uh, it's, I'd call it the most basic Clemson offense. I wouldn't call it the worst because they can run the ball. They can line up oh, yeah, and run it. Can. And without Antonio Williams and without Spectre, uh, and with, uh, I think Stilato no was Bo dealing Collins with an injury. Either. No Bo Collins. Yeah, they were handicapped, too, at wide receiver. Uh, and, and what they did was just line up and say, okay, you know, we're going to run and we're going to play defense and we're going to play field position, and that's going to be the recipe. And we're going to try not to turn it over um, more than you do. And that's what they did. That's why they won. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll just leave you to this. Thank you for letting me yeah. vent here. But I, I just – you tell me this honestly, Phil. What other SEC program or just Power Five program would hire Dowell Loggins and Clayton White to be their coordinators if they were let go today? Who else would hire them? Well, now, I mean, I think Dowell Loggins has got a he's got a reputation, NFL college. Arkansas might would would bring him back in some way. Uh, you mean as a coordinator who would hire them as coordinators or just hire them as position coaches? No, it's coordinator. I mean, yeah. what, wasn't Loggins voted the worst coordinator in the NFL? Well, I like think he was ESPN. voted the worst play caller or something <laughs> like that. But you know what? I, I, I thought he did a good job. I thought he had did a good job much of the year with, uh, look, that offensive line, I'm sorry. It's hard to call plays that are going to work when you're – that beat up, inexperienced, young uh, on the offensive line and changing players and positions every week. That's tough, okay? Um, those guys, you know, that's that's not a Notre Dame offensive line from the 60s out there, okay? Uh, that's a very weak, poor offensive line that maybe you thought was getting a little bit better but didn't show it against Clemson. Clayton White, um, I think that uh, – you got to give him some credit for doing some things in the last part of the season. I know the competition, you mentioned Vanderbilt, but Kentucky and Clemson. Um, going to the three-three-five, trying to do something to improve things on the defensive side, to get the guys playing better, to get more playmakers on the field. I think that took some, some deep thinking and some good coaching to make that happen. I don't think, I don't think Beamer is the type of coach 
to react off of a season like this and fire coaches. I just don't think it's in his nature. Be back after the break. This year's Carolina and Clemson jackpot $5 scratch-off tickets give you a chance to win up to $200,000, whether you're a Gamecock or a Tiger. Plus, you can enter your tickets into the Second Chance promotion for a chance to step on the field or the court to win $50,000, $75,000, or even $100,000. In this state, winning the Palmetto Series does matter that much, so get your tickets today. See SCEducationLottery.com for odds and details. Winning and non-winning tickets can be entered. Second Chance odds depend on number of entries received. Football season is upon us, and that means Columbia is welcoming fans from around the corner and across the country. No matter where you're from, Gamecocks love coming together for game day energy that can only be found in South Carolina's capital city. Book hotel rooms, find pre- and post-game activities, and plan your tailgate spread with local favorites from pimento cheese to barbecue at experiencecolumbiasc.com. We'll see you soon, and go Gamecocks! Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Hi, this is Lisa Hosteller-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. George Bryant for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor, David Abernathy, has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? Transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces. And the Tsunami Bar is the only bar and training device that I know of that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh. And where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com. Call me, Alex Satterfield, at 803-749-9171 for all of your Midlands insurance needs.
That's vacation time for some coaches, if you know what I mean. Some have permanent vacations. Uh, if you're looking to va- vacate the area and have a vacation here soon, or maybe this spring or summer, head down to the beach. It's always beautiful. I don't care what it's doing anywhere else in the state. You can't beat the coast of South Carolina. You know that. I know that. So what are you waiting on? Call Jimmy Smith at James Smith Real Estate, 843-237-4246. If you wait, somebody's going to get your spot. You don't want that to happen. 843-237-4246, online at pauliesvacationrentals.com. If you if you tarry, you're not going to get the great location, the great condo, the great house that you need this summer to handle everything. So get in touch with Jimmy. You can talk directly to him. He's a great guy to talk to. He might be a little down today. You know, his Gamecocks losing to the Tigers, but he'll get over it. He always does. He's used to it. Uh, and he's more than happy to work with you to find exactly what you need. Again, that phone number is 843-237-4246 for your perfect beach getaway. Our poll question of the week after watching Clemson beat the Gamecocks for the eighth time in nine years, what do you believe is the number one difference between the programs, the number one difference. Okay, you got four choices, the coaches, the players, the cultures, or the fan support. 593 593 (laughs) votes thus far. 65.8% say it's the players, dummy. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) 18.9% say the coaches. 14% say the coaches. And 1.3 point to the fans' support. Yeah, it's the players, it one, dummy. It's 100% the players. It is Jimmy's and Joe's, and Clemson has more of them right now. I'm surprised there are that many people who voted otherwise. Mm-hmm. Like I said, that, that, was one of the more, that was one of the easier poll questions we've had. But, yeah, it's obvious. You just look out on the field. You, I could coach some of Clemson's defensive guys. And I know nothing about college football, but I mean they're that talented. They, mm-hmm. they don't need a whole lot of instruction. Just go out there and go go tackle the guy with the football. Okay. Let's go to Hank in Columbia. Get back to your phone calls. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number to sports talk. Hello, Hank. How are you? Welcome in. I'm doing fine, Corn. Yes, sir. At eighteen percent. Bobby about to vote twenty times with that eighteen <laughs> 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 percent. It, 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 it about fired the coaches right now. Uh, what's the guy named uh, Bobo, who who was poor here his, his past year, was uh, is up for the Burroughs Award, and and you got T. Rob and Muschamp down there winning championships. So um, it, you got half of the Alabama staff is from South Carolina, and the other half is at Georgia. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yep. so if that doesn't tell you that sometimes it ain't uh, the coaches, <laughs> that's it. Um, Going out, and I and I, I can't believe it, but I, you know I agree with Keith. Uh, the defense did, play, and no matter how much Bobby wants to diminish it, the defense did play their butt off. And and you, you remember one of the field goals that Clemson got um, had uh, was Dow or Fortune not dropped that pick they almost had. They didn't even get the opportunity. True that. True that. And and, in a, and another field goal they had. Remember we turned it over midfield, and the defense kept Clemson. From moving the ball um, significantly at that time, so they kicked the field goal there. You know, one thing Dabble pointed out was 
all three of their field goals were long field goals. It mm-hmm. wasn't like they were running down in the red zone and stubbing their toe. You know, it was like 49, and he, he said they were all what is it, the guy's career best. Mm-hmm. So the defense played well. I now, thought I they did. You, I thought the defense played well. The la- Listen, uh, Vanderbilt and Kentucky, uh, that was, let me think now, I think they had a stretch there of maybe two or three straight SEC games where they, they held the opponent to under 300 total yards. Um I mean, for them, that was pretty good. I thought they were getting better on defense. Some of the moves made good sense. They got some good players. They took advantage of some of the players maybe who weren't playing as much, got them out there, and they were making plays. And, and, and you know, you can, you, can, you can say what you want to say about Kentucky, but Kentucky went up there and beat the, the team that's going to play for the ACC championship next week and put 38 on Louisville. And Texas A&M and so, wanted their coach. Uh, yeah, and so, the you know, the thing is, you know, you can do the what if. You can say Clemson was down two receivers. But, you know, if you want to do that, you know, if you want to play that game, then you can go back on the other side and say Marky Anderson was one of the only freshmen that, that coming out of camp that people, they said, would play on the line. You had the guy that got hurt in the spring game, and then you had the, the ten different knee injuries across the offensive line. So, you know, the line was horrible this year. But I don't think it's because the, 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 uh, most of those kids were um, talent, untalented. It's just that a number of those kids weren't even expected to see the field for two years. Babalade and Ball, those guys were supposed to come in and get a chance to develop, and they were thrown into the fire. Well, and, and you're right. Think, this could be this could turn out to be a benefit for them if they grow from this experience. It could turn out to be a benefit next year now that you got guys yeah, who know how to play at this level. Yeah, you see it like, you know, I, I went to the Friday night game between White Knoll and um, Somerville, and that same White Knoll team, it was like 0-10 or whatever, two, three years ago. All those kids were still playing the other night. We're not, they've gone 13-0. So I just, you know, I think that uh, – But you know as we well as I do, you know, what you're saying is wait till next year. And Gamecock fans, they are tired of saying that, wait till next year. You know that. Yeah, Firing everybody at the end of either. I agree with that. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. You're right. You can't fire your way out of this kind of situation. Hit the break. Top of the hour. More calls coming up. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, we're back with you. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network on this Monday after. Pretty much a host free, but we got to jump in there sometime. Uh Bottom of the hour, we'll have Zach Willis with us. Then we'll have recruiting for you. Got a lot to tell you about in recruiting from over the weekend and end of this week. Phone number, 888-898-2525. Let's go ahead and jump back to your phone calls as we continue on this Monday after the Clemson win over South Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, without further delay, without further ado, he is in Swansea, the one and only Gamecock Larry. Hello, Gamecock Larry. Hope you're doing well tonight, sir. Well, first I got a few things to say to Mr. Phil and those guys, gentlemen, that called in from Charlotte. 
Ben from Georgetown. If any of you guys got something to talk about, Gamecock Larry got something to say about me, call Phil and give him your number and give him your permission for him to give me your number so I can call you. <laughs> He's got my permission to give you my give you my number, but you ain't gonna call me. You can talk on the radio. But you call me and we will do some talking. Especially that guy from Charlotte. Bobby that be Bobby. His name is Bobby. Me. Name is Bobby. I, Bobby Bobby. This is Game Cox Larry. Phil Cornboot Mr. Phil Cornboot had my permission <laughs> to give you my number and you can call me when you want to if you want to. If not, give him your number and give him your permission to give me your number and I'll call you. How's that? Now, let's, let's talk about this game. I can hear you Clemson fans. Oh, wasn't no, nothing like it was just last year. Wasn't nothing going on like this. Nothing. Boy, whoa, boy. Talking about now. You talking about past eight, nine, ten years ago. Well, I remember, I remember Tommy Suggs. He never lost to you. Never. He never lost to you. Up, uh, uh, your place, our place. He never lost to you. Never. Tony, Tommy, Tommy, never. Another thing. Now let me see. And uh, Mister Phil. <laughs> yes. Sir. When were you all? Uh, when were the Tigers getting close to scoring a touchdown this past Saturday night? You never got in the red zone. Never got in the red zone. Never. You kicked, you kicked three field goals of 40 yards or more. So, I, I don't know. You just got me, old, I'm so aggravated. Mm. But I, boy, I want, I want them, I want some, I want somebody, one of them to call me. Especially Bobby from Charlotte. <laughs> Bobby from Charlotte. Bobby from Charlotte. This ain't Tyler from Spartanburg. This is Gamecock Larry from Swanson, South Carolina. Call me talking about Shane Beamer crying. Well, well, I'm, eight, I'm 90 years old. When you lose something dear to your heart, mm. you're supposed to cry. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. what the difference in your dancing coach Dabo. But that boy, I don't know. I, I got to live and take it for a year. From all you Tater uh, game, uh, Tiger fans, oh, oh man, and three, three hosts on the radio show. I got to listen to them for a year. <laughs> boy, I tell you what. My, but I don't know. I just better be quiet. Just shut my mouth. No. But I'm sorry. <laughs> you didn't even get in the red zone. Yeah, didn't. Didn't, didn't they actually did once. In the red zone. Well, the very didn't end. Very they actually did once. Yeah. We give you ten points. Very lost end. by nine. Very Go game, Coach. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you, Larry. Why yeah, is he did. so mad at Bobby? Bobby's a Carolina fan. Yeah, but I think. Uh, <laughs> Bobby wants to Bobby fire coaches. And, him. <laughs> now I think he was talking about he's Gamecock Larry being too too opti what was he too optimistic too 
too fanboyish, you know, uh, right. not not dealing with realism, et cetera. You're right. They did get in the red zone at the very end. Is that the one you're talking about? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one time they got in the red zone. You brought up a fascinating point that I wanted to explore further about Shane Beamer and his loyalty. And he's not really a guy that is probably willing to cut ties with current members of his staff. And I'm not suggesting that he should. But do you think Dabo Sweeney is that kind of guy when he was first on the job? No. He fired a guy the first day. He fired his <laughs> OC then, that day. Well, and then keep in mind when he, they turned the corner after year three was when he kicked Billy Napier to the curb, brought in Chad Morris, mm-hmm. and they won 10 or more games every year up until this year. So next year, and I'm not, again, not suggesting there needs to be changes at USC, but next year, if, if Beamer is patterning his, patterning his program after Dabo, which I think he is, and I think he should be because of the success Clemson has, next year is a huge year for them. They've year got four. to find a way to be com- – yeah, exactly. Year four, uh, that's when Dabo and his program took off and for the, for the Gamecocks. And it's not going to be easy, as you laid out, with that schedule in front of them. I but rem- they've got to find a way to improve. I remind everybody of the little nugget that I've mentioned here many times. Only three Gamecock coaches in the last 60-plus years – yeah, in the last 60-plus years, only three – have had a winning season in their third year mm-hmm. with the program. Yep. So I don't know what the reason is, but it's a fact. And now Shane Beamer becomes the latest to fall into that category mm-hmm. of failing to have a winning record in year number three. Who All is right. it, Holtz? And who are the other two? Holtz, um, Brad Scott, and Will Muschamp. Not Morrison. Mm-mm. Wow. Year three. And now, not Spurrier, too, which is fascinating to not me. Not Spurrier. In the, in, the re- that, in the regular season, yeah. The one that's mm-hmm. most impressive to me. Or and I 500 guess is not too. a winning record. If you're a 500, that doesn't count. Correct. But for Lou Holtz, for the dumpster fire that he walked into, going through the 21-game losing streak, for him to be, then be able to turn it around the way he did was, was truly remarkable. Will Muschamp, I feel like we almost need to put a little asterisk by that because that, he had such a leg up over Shane Beamer and, quite frankly, Lou Holtz and Brad Scott, he had Steve Spurrier's talent. Look at all the NFL guys that are still yeah, doing very, very point. well that were on those teams. Will Muschamp walked into one heck of a situation and, quite frankly, fell on his face. And I, I'm not, Do we really think he would have had that third season being winning season if he did not have the amount of talent that at that point would have been all seniors? Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, let's continue. Lee in Greenwood, you're up next on Sports Talk. Welcome in. Hey, Brother Phil. How you doing? Hey, sir. How you doing? Nice to hear from you. Let me tell you something. I respect Gamecock Larry, but I've heard enough of his noise. He, from Swansea, they must not watch no football Mm. because he couldn't recognize a real team if, if it laid in front of him. I want to remember, go back to Friday, I think he called a score, 36-24 Gamecocks. That's a minus 29-point differential for the Gamecocks, a minus 8-point differential for the Tigers. Now, I understand Clemson didn't score an offensive touchdown, but if you watch the game, the defense, that ACC defense, oh, by the way, Gamecock Larry, Tommy Suggs is the last man 
the quarterback for the University of South Carolina that won a conference title. And it's on y'all's thing. It's the 1969, mm. 50-something years ago or more, is the last conference title the University of South Carolina has won in football. And that's all I got to say. And I love your show, and I love what y'all do, and I appreciate all your fans. Thank God you. bless, and y'all be safe. Thank you so much. Great hearing from you. Um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. The Gamecocks have that, that one point. ACC I mean, really champion. Yep. You can't, you know, they do have the SEC divisional title in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Billy Napier, five and seven this year. Isn't that interesting? Billy Napier, five and seven. Now he's in year number two. Shane Beamer, five and seven. He's in year number three. Of course, two guys that were, uh, when Napier, of course, was interviewed for the South Carolina job. <clears throat> he's fired two assistant coaches, Corey Raymond and Sean Spencer. The Orlando Sentinel reporting Miami running back Donald Cheney Jr. is in the transfer portal, John. All right, welcome into the Flush Patrol. We go. <laughs> I was to- sitting here uh, quickly. I just wanted to follow up on Pat's comment about the uh, talent that Will Muschamp had on on his teams. Uh, it it blows the mind. You know, he he had Debo Samuel and Brian Edwards together. <laughs> that third year and shy I mean, smith some of the That's players right. that they mm-hmm. had yeah. i mean running through the bryson allen williams dj wanham javon kinlaw i mean they kier thomas i mean they had ridiculous talent mm-hmm. good tight team. ends too it all changed when um jake bentley got hurt in that north carolina yep. game mm-hmm. it left him short because they had to go to ryan halinski at quarterback then he got hurt and they had to go to the care can you believe the carry on joiner was playing way back then <laughs> That's really Remember they had to go it to carry on yeah. Joiner at quarterback, and um, and then they they never really they never really recovered from that. That man Joiner has seen some things within mm-hmm. that locker room. He? he could write. <laughs> he a ought book. to write a book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, triple eight eight nine eight twenty five twenty five is the phone number. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number for you. And uh, we're going to go where next as we continue to take your phone calls here on the program on this Monday after while we get the. The call's lined up. I'll also mention to you uh, Will Rogers, Mississippi State. He's in the portal, John. Uh, he's going to be hotly uh, hotly sought after, I would think. A guy that's thrown for over 12,000 yards in his career. You'd like to have him for one year? Yeah, he's um, a really good quarterback. Yep. Finalist for the Broyles Award, former Gamecock OC Mike Bobo of Georgia. Iowa, D.C., Phil Parker. LSU, OC Mike Denbrook. Michigan OC Sharon Moore and Oregon OC Will Stein. That's your finalist. Rhett Lashley and SMU, they agree to a multi year contract extension. Of course, they'll be in the ACC next year. Trey Lamb, according to Football Scoop, the nephew of Bobby Lamb of Anderson and Furman fame, uh, going to be the new head coach at East Tennessee State. Rick Stockstill. Rick Stockstill, a long time at Clemson, short time at USC. Uh, relieved of his duties at East at uh, Middle Tennessee State after 18 seasons, 18 seasons. There. That's got to be some record, seasons. yeah, for some for somebody to stay at one school for that long anymore. Had a lot of good seasons, and of course, Chris Massaro, who used to work at South Carolina, is the mm-hmm. AD there. Latest college football championship odds from Bet Online: You got Michigan 19 to 10, Georgia 12 to 5, Oregon. Nine to two, Alabama eight to one, Texas eight to one, Washington fourteen to one, and Florida State is twenty five to one. 
Heisman odds, Bo Nix 1-2, Jaden Daniels 8-5, and Michael Penix Jr. 18-1. couple of other things. couple of other things um, from uh, Clemson. Uh, Khalil Barnes was named the Defensive Player of the Week in the ACC. That's how I hope so. And Football IQ through the roof. (laughs) Jonathan Whites was named the uh, Specialist of the Week in the ACC, coming off uh, what they did against the Gamecocks. And, and, And College of Charleston revealed their 2024 baseball schedule. No Clemson, no Gamecocks, no Coastal on That's the schedule. Yeah, I don't get that. I don't get That's that. That's sad. Guess we couldn't it's get it worked out. It really is. Yeah. Don't get that. And let's don't forget Clemson soccer. The women are in the Final Four, and the men are in the Elite Eight, right? Yep. Uh, Clemson Stanford soccer. on Saturday. Yeah. All right, back to the call. I'm going to go ahead. I've no. watched, and I'm, this is not a random thought. I've mm-hmm. actually watched them play some because my wife's a former soccer player, and she enjoys watching them. Clemson's going to win the national championship. In which one? They're really good. They're in in uh, the men. Oh, I haven't really? watched enough of the women. The men. They they can score, and they've got a their goalkeeper is fascinating to watch. He's not your typical six seven type guy with long wingspan, but he's as athletic as they come. I think Coach Noonan is going to bring home another title. I miss the days of Namdi Nawakacha. <laughs> they've got a couple. They've got a few on that team. Now. You remember Namdi Nawakacha? I do not. Pat, you remember Namdi Nawakacha? I don't believe I do. Oh, man. He was the George Rogers. That's what we compared him back in the 80s. He was like the George Rogers. He was as a great an athlete to look at on the soccer field as anybody. Just a, he could have, You could have put a football uniform on him and given him football and blocked for him. He'd probably rush for 1,500 yards. Namdi Nawakacha, I think he had a brother at Clemson, too, like maybe George Nawakacha. That was under Coach um, – uh, coach, uh, coach, 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 you know, the coach. Um, what's his name? Ibrahim, yeah, Ibrahim. His name is, coach yeah. Ibrahim. Mm-hmm. Ibrahim, Ibrahim. Dr. Ibrahim, Ibrahim. All right, back to the phones. Well, before we do, real quick, uh, sorry to our callers there. Uh, I don't yeah. believe you've mentioned this yet, but uh, Texas A&M has released details of Mike Elko's contract. Have you seen mm-hmm. that yet? I have not. Just to go through real quick, his annual base salary will be $7 million. It looks like they've learned a little bit from – <laughs> the overpaying of Jimbo Fisher. Also, if I'm reading this right, if he is fired without cause before the end of the contract, he will get 75% of the remaining balance as, to, as opposed to 100% guaranteed like it was with Jimbo Fisher. So that's, that's, that's quite a difference. But where it gets interesting here is there's a lot of postseason incentives. If his team makes the college football playoff, million dollars. If they get to yeah. the yeah, – if they win the SEC conference title – or advance. Wait, this doesn't make sense. Or advance to the quarterfinals of the college football. Oh yeah, okay. So there's twelve. Yeah, if you make it to the quarterfinals, that's another one and a half million dollars. If you make it to the college football playoff semis, two million dollars. Make it to the natty, two and a half million. If they win the national championship, he gets a cool three and a half million dollars. Other incentive compensation: appearing in an SEC championship game, one hundred thousand dollars. SEC coach of the year, fifty k. And there's a lot more from there, but uh. Quite a large salary pool for his assistant coaches, analysts, operations, recruiting, strength and conditioning, $11 million. So he is definitely going to go after some big names, you think. And a novel concept, reward success. Yes. If I'm Duke. That's a fascinating idea. If I'm Duke, temperature of Jimbo Fisher, are you interested in still coaching? Do you still have that Mm. fire? Is your ego 
so that you want to go back out and prove everything, I'd I'd make a run at Jimbo Fisher if I were Duke. You know, first of all, you could probably get him for a song. He doesn't need the money. I would hope so. He I mean, Duke's got plenty of money, but you don't have to really <laughs> throw a bunch of money at him, right? You say, Jimbo, look, man, you got seventy-five mil tucked away. You come work for us for a couple of mil. And we'll let you meet Coach Krzyzewski and, uh, you know, let you do your thing. All right, back to the phones. Let's go to uh, – some call him Oliver. Some call him Triple T. I call him the angry black man, ABM. What's going on, ABM? Good afternoon. Everything is fine. Phil, first I want to start off. First of all, apologize to, to Will I- Shipley. Apologize to Will Shipley. That could never happen, buddy. Uh, let me say something. Tell Gamecock Larry that uh, Charlie Whitehurst never lost to Clemson. Uh, I mean, the Carolina won four in a row. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson won three in a row. And Sunshine won three in a row. Okay? So you need to let that go out the window. Um, I'm going to say something to all Gamecock fans. Gamecock fans. You need the Jimmys and the Joes. I don't care who you bring a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. If you don't have the Jimmys and Joes, and then football uh, uh, people, they call the scheme. You got to have the right scheme to run against to stop somebody. So that's what you get to understand football. All these guys actually get rid of, to get rid of Clayton White. They don't know football. I'm saying this. So, you know, you need to set up with that, fellas. And the last thing I'm going to say, what did the governor was thinking about when he invited Donald Trump to the, to the game? That's going to hurt recruiting. I understand some players decide not to come on a visit after they invited Donald Trump. The coach is going to use that. The Carolina is a mega school. Hey, man, you got to think before you do stuff. I'm telling you. Mm. Like I said. And I got the Clemson, the Carolina score right, seven nothing. I just missed on the Clemson score when I said thirty-five to seven. Mm-hmm. Hey, fellas, all I got to say is seventy-three, forty-three, and four. See y'all next year in the cow pasture. Triple T, fast talking tiger. <laughs> all right. Thank you, <laughs> Oliver. Appreciate that. Let's squeeze in another call or two here before we get. Uh, to Zach Willis at the bottom of the hour. Where are we going next there, Pat? You want to tell us or just go blindly into it? You want to wade into that water? of? So next we are going to be jo- going back up to the upstate, and I believe this caller might actually be changing the subject a little bit. So buckle up. We are going up to Woodruff with Roger. Roger in Woodruff. Roger. Roger, come on through, Roger. Welcome in. Hey. <laughs> hey, hey, how you doing, Phil? Right, fine. I, we, my brother and I met you last year, uh, the night that Greenville played uh, West Side, no, played Northwestern, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. at Serene Stadium. And I won't mention the name of the restaurant, but they were a sponsor of yours at the time. I don't think they are now. Mm-hmm. But you were doing a live broadcast, and we were going to the game. Oh, 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 oh yeah, you. yeah, yeah. That's when we were uh, – yeah. um, exa- I remember exactly what you're talking about now. Yeah, it's good to hear from you. Uh, I seldom call him. I was going to say the high school league did something, I think the same day they came out with the multiplier rule uh, regarding the 
the zones, you know. Mm-hmm. But they did something else that they that to me was really important. They recognized Sims' ninety-six-game winning streak as a state record. Yes, and I knew Coach Moore. Uh, I went freshman sophomore year Spartanburg Methodist College, and he was on the faculty there. And I had him for psychology, and he told some interesting stories about his coaching days. And I remember uh, they ended up getting beat by Carver to end the streak in 1954. I think the score was like 20 to six, and people were telling him, "Oh, he's too old. Moore's too old to coach." You know, people were saying that about him. Well, lo and behold, what happens a lot of times in the playoffs? You meet for a rematch. And they met Carver in the rematch, and, and Sims won. And the same people, he, he said, were coming up to him wanting to shake his hand. He's like, I ain't shaking your hand. I want nothing to do with you. You said I was too old to coach. <laughs> and now you want to come up and shake my hand, you know. But mm-hmm. he was he was really an interesting character. I used to love to hear him tell those stories. I've but, heard uh, him speak. I've, I've heard him. I heard him speak, um, gosh, years ago. Might have been in a coach's clinic or, or something. I mean, he was a great speaker, as I recall. Of course, oh, you yeah. had Willie Jeffries came out of there too, and um, what a what a legacy. Bill Davis. What a Bill, yeah, uh, Bill Davis. What a legacy. We often forget about Bill Davis and what a what a great coach he was at state. Right, and you know the the, the only thing I don't like is that I wish they had done it when he was still around because I think he passed away in ninety three, I believe, but. Uh, but, you know, it was a good thing they finally did recognize that yeah, record. that is great. Hey, thanks yeah. for bringing that up. I appreciate it, man. Okay. Thank thanks. you. Good talking I'm- to you. Yes, sir. Appreciate that. We're going to be at State Thursday, Friday with the state championship games. So we'll be over there for that. Looking forward to it. Quickly, let's go to, um, gosh, I hate to squeeze him, but Andy in Columbia. Got a little over a minute. Welcome in. Hey, fellas. First off, I want to congratulate Coach Pugh on uh, win, his final win at SC State before he retires. So I want to congratulate him on that. Second thing, this team, this program, what do we have? One running back um, committed for next year, Phil? Yes. Okay, and I don't think the kid Hill is coming here. I mean, I might be totally wrong. But reading what you're saying and him not showing up this past weekend, I don't think we have a chance, and I don't think we have a chance for him at all. We need to hit that transfer portal for some decent running backs, not a Division Two, even though Anderson was all right. But there's no way that this team is going to do anything with the offensive line and the one running back that we have coming back next year. There has to be a lot of movement in that transfer portal on both sides, the offensive line and the running back. Would not disagree if that's um, – I just – and thanks for your phone call and great hearing from you. Um, sorry to cut you short. I just wonder about – I mean, you, sh- you live in the portal, you can die in the portal, and also what does it do about development? we got to talk about that, guys, when we have a chance. What does it do about development for the long term? You got to think about that. Be back after the break. Zach Willis.
I, I got to touch on this story. Uh, Sports Illustrated, of course, it used to be the Bible. It used to be the absolute go-to publication in the sports world. And, of course, it's not the SI that we grew up reading with the fabulous journalists and the great stories and the great features and the unbelievable pictures. I say this because there's a story out today that says Sports Illustrated, under its current form, has been posting AI-generated content by what appear to be fake profiles without disclosing their nature. Come on. This is by the science and technology site Futurism. When Futurism contacted SI publisher The Arena Group, the AI-generated authors disappeared from the website. Futurism wrote, (laughs) the Arena Group did not immediately respond to a request for comment on the report. An anonymous source told Futurism that the content in question is, quote, absolutely AI generated. Futurism also found that SI regularly replaced AI generated author profiles. Whenever an author was switched out, quote, the post they supposedly pinned would be reattributed to the new persona with no editor's note explaining the change in byline, end quote. Futurism wrote. So, here you go. There you go. How many other national publications do you believe are doing that? I and hope are none. going to now probably dump it I'm, because I'm praying, Sports Illustrated got found out. I'm praying it's none, and I imagine I their too. source is probably a former writer there who lost his job at Sports Illustrated and, you know, wanted to, to go back and, and burn them. Uh, here is but something Phil, from the well-respected. Let me read this. Our response today. This is from the Sports Illustrated Union. Our response today's to today's story from Futurism reporting that the Arena Group has published AI written stories by fake people under the SI name. We, the workers of the SI Union, are horrified by the story. Um, and let's see. Uh, We demand answers and transparency from Arena Group management. I think these are the people who've been fired, this SI union. I think this is the the people who've been fired since the Arena Group, which is a horrible, horrible uh, group from what I've read. I don't know it personally, from what I've read from people in the business. and uh, They fired a bunch of great reporters and writers. So I think Mm -hmm. that's what this SI union is. We want to be very clear. What is described in this Futurama, I'm sorry, in this Futurism story <laughs> does not represent the hardworking journalists who make up the SI union, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, Rick Riley would never. Oh. All right, let's go to um, a real original. This is not the fake. There's no AI here. There's nothing artificial about the coach, Zach Willis, as we welcome him in one more time. For first and ten here on Sports Talk. Good evening, Coach. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm honestly sitting here in shock over what I heard about Sports Illustrated, man. Just please tell me there's no AI going on with a swimsuit issue. (laughs) Well, there might be some artificial stuff, but it's not intelligence, I can tell you that, okay? It might be artificial, but it's got nothing to do with intelligence. So what did you see? I know we we know the personnel difference between South Carolina and Clemson. 
pretty stark in some areas. But what did you see on the field uh, uh, regarding, you know, scheme, execution, performance, stuff like that? Well, you know, uh, first of all, I could congratulate both teams on, and coach, coaching staff because I saw what South Carolina tried to do and in some cases did do. Uh, in Clemson, you could you could see what both teams were trying to do, and that sounds kind of funny, but, you know, Phil, we, we, we've done a lot of games together, and throughout my career where I didn't know what the heck the game plan was for a, a certain team. And, and that's not that's not a really – have a little technical issues here. No, you're um, good. Sorry. Um, anyway, basically, it, it came down honestly to one play, and it was that that backwards pass. I thought that was a either way close call. And Clemson's kicking game, the kicker had a career night. Uh, the only touchdown Clemson, you would, if you'd have told me the only touchdown they, they would score would be on defense, I would have said there's no way. South Carolina's defense was uh, that that was not just a great effort that was a very heroic effort um you know, they're, they're outclassed on both sides of the ball to a degree but carolina shane beamer has a gift for getting kids to overachieve i'll just say that clemson played a solid game south carolina played way over their head on defense and clemson's defense probably the best in the country i don't think i don't think it's a stretch to say that they they contained two great offensive players, and they basically did it with straight Barnes. Just co- he covered Leggett straight up. Leggett won some, he won some, but in the end, you know, they contained him, and they did it without really doing anything special other than doing what they've done all year long, and that's dominate on defense. Of course, Rattler never had a whole lot of time when no. he dropped back. Not a whole lot of comfort in the pocket there. Obviously, Clemson's defense was on it all night long. Uh, they were physical. They were fast. Um, where do you think South Carolina has to go from here? They've got to step up their recruiting. Uh, you know, and I've watched it all year long. And, and honestly, the, the NIL part of it, they've got to step that up. They, they can't have kids leaving the program like Jordan Birch, who they really could have used this year on defense. The, the big kid, as the name escapes me, honestly, uh, it went down to Florida State. He's one of their best players on the undefeated team. Gilbert Edmund, uh, you know, Gilbert Edmund. Yes, I mean, just huge losses there. And from what I hear, they did everything they could do to hold him to try to keep these kids there. But they've got to figure the NIL out, and they've got to go out and they've got to win some recruiting battles on some better players, especially on the offensive line. Uh, it's just a talent situation. Um, they've got some great personnel now. I'm not saying they don't because they've got some game breakers too. But Clemson – just has so many more. I mean, and they're, they're true freshmen out there just playing great for them. They have to feel really bad about losing four games with the talent they have, and they've got to solve their problem at quarterback. Klubnik looked out of sync all night long. Um, he's looked like that for a while now, to be honest, and I don't know why. I don't, I'm not in the room with them. I think Dabo's doing a great job of basically re, recreating their identity as a now more of a ball control offense that plays to their strength. And here's the deal. It may not be as pretty or spectacular as it was with Deshaun Watson and with Trevor, but they're winning again. And trust me, at the end of the day, a win is a win. And when you beat South Carolina and your Clemson or vice versa, that's the biggest game of the year. And don't let anybody tell you any different. It always is. And I'm sure Dabo 
or Coach Beaver would say the same thing. Do you think Sweeney should be criticized for a poor coaching job this year considering they lost four games or praised for winning his last four, uh, saving the season, uh, having something to build on, uh, and also when you take into consideration their injuries and the games that they gifted to other teams to some degree with their turnovers? Well, the, the, the turnover thing was huge. The Duke game was a gift. The Florida State game was a gift. They all were. Miami, they all were. Um, and and, and these, are, these are not bad teams they lost to. But when you're losing double overtime on the road and you're fumbling it and doing all kind of crazy stuff and Florida State ends up undefeated, you look back and you know just how good they could have been. As a coach, from a coaching standpoint, I praise him because a lot of guys would have imploded. You put Jimbo Fisher – even only guys I know that can save something like that are a guy like Sweeney or a guy like Saban. Mark D'Antonio, who I worked for at Michigan State, was one of the best at that. We never had the talent of some of the upper echelon teams. We still won Big Ten championships and beat those teams. And it's because of the culture those coaches bring with them. Saban has a culture. Look at what they did against Auburn the other day, and I literally was talking – Right before they made the play, look how they're not panicking. Look how together they are. Mm-hmm. They're not freaking out. And, they, they, of course, you, you pressure uh, the quarterback there. That probably doesn't happen. But Dabo does the same thing. It's a different approach. Antonio had his own approach, but it's very methodical. And you can see a change, especially against Notre Dame. Notre Dame's got a heck of a football team. And Clemson pretty much wrecked, wrecked their season. Uh but they just shut them down in the fourth quarter. And you and I were talking. They just put the brakes on and said, you're not – we're going to pin you down here, and we know you can't beat our defense. And they did the same thing to South Carolina. And the fact that's a massive switch in game strategy and game management from the high-flying 50-50 ball throwing, run-up-the-score Clemson teams we've seen in the past, the fact that he could identify it and then get his t- kids – to buy into it and coaches to buy into it and execute it against ranked opponents in the in a very good South Carolina team, probably the best team that won't go to a bowl in the country. Um, you know, incredible job, in my opinion, because I know psychologically, Phil, how hard it is to get kids to switch gears. And they had all these injuries with their wide receivers. They struggled at that position. Their wide receiver, you, they're really struggling right now there but they find ways, and the key is find a way to win. How many coaches have you known in your career that span decades, going back to Vince Lombardi, that could find a way to win when when the wheels were falling off? And trust me, it looked like the wheels were falling off for sure, that offense, and he just simplified things, backed things up, and basically followed what his mentor Gene Stallings would have done who learned it from Bear Bryant. Find a way to win the football game control the game and play to your strengths, which is their defense, and their kicker had a career or not, or they may not win that ball game. Their defense and their kicking game won the game for them. And it was it was really a hard fault, one of the best played Palmetto Bowls I've seen. And I know I'm a coach. I see things differently. I know it wasn't as exciting. But, man, watching the effort that both teams put out there, we've got two high-quality coaches in that state, very high-character programs, and I, I go. I went to bed every night this year after watching those games, Phil, and thought, you know what? Neither one of those teams gave up. They may have lost the game, but they didn't do it because of a lack of character, lack of mental toughness. 
Coach, it's been great having you with us throughout the season. We'll get back to you around uh, bowl time when Clemson's getting ready for the bowl game. We get uh, into bowl season and around the national championship playoff time. But we really appreciate it every Monday night. It's been a great learning experience for everybody, and we'll talk to you again soon. Well, it's my honor, guys, to be associated with you guys, and I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah. Yes, sir. Thank Thanks, you very Thanks, much, Coach. Coach, and best to Sarah Thanks. and the family. Sarah, of course, the one that uh, literally carries that family because, you know, she's a bodybuilder. She could literally put that family on her back and carry it uh, down the road if she had to. But, uh, of course, Zach can hold his own in the weight room. He still he still works out. we got to hit the break and come back with the recruiting report. A lot of things going on, of course. The transfer portal, John, been filled up with Tidy Bowl because it's going to be flushed a lot. You like it, Blue? They even make Tidy Bowl anymore. Oh, yeah, I buy it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't buy Tidy Bowl? I absolutely well, use I haven't tidy used bowl. Tidy Bowl. I just I, I haven't seen the commercials with the Tidy Bowl man in a long, oh, long time. Yeah. I'm just wondering if they were still in business. I like that blue water. Uh, be back after the break, and we'll get into all that and more. Be right back. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Farm Bureau Insurance's agricultural roots and ties to South Carolina farmers have shaped the company's culture and work ethic, providing a unique customer experience. Customers are treated like people, not policies. Now, while other insurance companies may have a one-size-fits-all approach to handling customers, we believe you need to be valued and treated right. Our claims professionals work until the job is done, and our agents still believe in the commitment that comes with a handshake. Call Buddy Bridges and Clinton and Lawrence at 864-923-217 for all of your auto, home, and life insurance needs. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Investing can be like a puzzle. There's so many pieces to consider, and it can be hard to know where to start. But with the right guidance, you can put the pieces together to create a winning strategy. That's where Founders Investment Services come in. Our team of financial advisors can help you navigate the complexities of investing and create a personalized plan that fits your goals and risk tolerance. We'll work with you to identify the pieces of your puzzle and how they fit into your financial future. Call 866-739-7064 or visit foundersfcuinvestments.com to learn more about how we can help you take the first step to Towards reaching your financial goals. Securities offered through LPL Financial. 
We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, it's hunting season in South Carolina this fall, and folks need to be prepared from a legal standpoint. That's right, Phil. Everyone always needs to buy their hunting license or fishing license. Everyone always worries about losing their license. Well, now that's not a problem anymore because you can keep your license on your phone. That's right. Go Outdoors SC. It's an app. Look for it on your Apple or Android devices. You can buy your license. You can renew your boat registration, and it's all right there on your phone. Remember, Go Outdoors SC in your app store. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions played it for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at sccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. Okie dokie, let's give you the recruiting report tonight, brought to you by Seawells. They are back in action after the holiday week off. What do you got? What do you got? You don't have don't have nothing new? Nothing new? They have not yet posted the schedule. Still, uh, still trying to get over that uh, turkey hangover, you know? I guess. Well, they are doing the buffet this week, 11 till 2, so check it out. And you got something that's uh, requiring the best in the catering business, you make that one phone call to Seawells, you got it all done. That's the most important call you'll make. 803-771-7385 online, SeawellsCateringSC.com. Let them do everything that needs to be done to make your event that most memorable event. Again, Seawells at 803-771-7385. Defensive tackle Jerome Simmons, 6'4", 333, a Bamberg native at Highland Junior College, Kansas, made a Visit the USC Saturday for the Clemson game. Of course, he was offered by Shane Beamer, defensive line coach Travian Robertson, early in the month. This was the next step. Said it was pretty amazing. Loved the fan base. They want him to play the interior, uh, and uh, they would love to have him, is what he said Beamer told him. He talked to him right before the game. And he thinks, you know, the 5-7, and seven, there's still a, a program that's um, making progress, and he thinks that they are moving forward. He visited Coastal Carolina last week and Kansas State earlier in November, both unofficial. He's not signing until February. He plans to use December and January for getting in his official visits. And he told us late this afternoon he has scheduled an official visit to USC for December the 8th. He is going to go to Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette, Louisiana. No, 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 just Louisiana. Just Louisiana. 
He's yeah, going to Louisiana. Like to Lafayette. They don't like that anymore. No more Lala? No. Nope. They are the University of Louisiana. He's going to go there this weekend for an official, and he'll be committing in February. Uh, right now, South Carolina and Coastal Carolina would be his top two. Western Kentucky offered today. He's had offers from Georgia and Marshall and Jacksonville State and Mississippi State and Charlotte and Akron and McNeese State. In his two seasons at the JUCO, he had 50 tackles, 11 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. Transfer portal doesn't officially open until December 4th, but more and more players are moving forward and putting their transfer plans out on social media. And schools are following and paying attention. USC is showing interest in Harvard transfer tight end Tyler Neville, 6'4", 248. In his career, he had 62 catches, 698 yards, 8 touchdowns, and a 4.5 GPA in gyromechanical chemistry. I just made that up. What? I just made that up. (laughs) USC is showing... though. It does. That's why I made it up. USC showing interest in pin transfer defensive tackle Joey Slackman, 6'4", 300. Uh, Nearly 20 P5 offers for him since announcing the transfer. He's out of Philly. In his career, all Ivy League, 115 tackles, 25 for loss, 11 sacks. Holy Cross offensive tackle Luke Newman, 6'4", 310. He's in the portal, John, and he's being eyed by USC. He's a native of Bloomingfield, Michigan, three-time All-Patriot League. South Carolina coaches were hoping to have Daniel Hill of Meridian, Mississippi, in for the game Saturday. He did not make it. Nor did receiver Braylon Staley of Strom Thurmond, who's been committed to Tennessee, remains pretty firm. Back to transfers, USC and Clemson appear to have some interest in offensive tackle Allen Heron, 6'6", 310. He's from Shorter University and a native of Jamaica. USC is also keeping watch on North Carolina grad transfer running back Elijah Green as he makes plans to enter the portal, John. USC defensive end Donovan Westmoreland reportedly is also going to be hitting the transfer trail. Clemson target offensive tackle A.J. Dennis of Mount Pleasant, Michigan. This is a disappointment to them. He committed to Illinois today. Uh, He visited over the weekend after visiting Clemson the previous weekend. He's a former Michigan State commitment. He also officialed to Penn State. USC Saturday offered 2025 defensive end Anthony Addison of Sumter. This season, 96 tackles, 25 for loss, and six sacks. He's been to Tennessee and Cincinnati for games this month, along with USC. And some of his other offers are Cincinnati, Coastal, Appalachian, USF, Liberty, and Old Dominion. USC on Sunday offered 25 offensive tackle Jacob Ward, 6'4", 335, Benedictine Academy in Savannah. Athlete Jaden Kimball of White Knoll received a PWO offer from USC. USC target cornerback Cam McHale committed to Colorado. 2025 running back Trey Leonard of West Florence was at Duke Saturday. 26 safety Jazavian Currents of South Point at Florida. And 26 receiver Jordan Gidron of Ridgeview was at NC State. There you go. Recruiting report tonight. Remember, it's now the twilight zone for recruiting. <laughs> And Transfer Portal, John, check it out on our website, sportstalksc.com. On Twitter, use the hashtag STRecruiting. Do Pat and I a favor, please. Yep. 
over the next month, please do not get sick. Do not miss work. Because none of us want to deal with what you're going to have to deal with the next month. It's the twilight zone. <laughs> hey, you know what? Basketball season starts tomorrow. Oh, really? Well, in my mind, it does. <laughs> Even so though the five games that have already been played just don't count. I mean, you know, those were warm ups. You got big games tomorrow: South Carolina hosting yes. Notre Dame and Clemson no playing doubt. at Alabama, among others. I'll start yeah, talking a little hoops for both those teams. Yeah, but if we couldn't get to you tonight on the game, we'll welcome your phone calls back tomorrow night. It'll be a talking Tuesday with you doing more of the talking. Thank you, Chris. Yes, sir. Thank you, Pat. We'll see you tomorrow night.